Welcome to How Not to DM. I'm your host, Derek. Thanks for joining me on my quest to interview the very best dungeon masters on this plane of existence. A couple of quick announcements, and then we'll get started. Check out Two Weeks, One Shot's month-long Halloween extravaganza spooktacular adventure. The good people at Two's Cast were kind enough to invite me to join in on the fun, entitled Mischief Night. The story follows some college freshmen at the fictional Brackley State as they encounter forces beyond their understanding and must stop evil before it takes over. I had a ton of fun, and you can listen to the first two episodes now. The link is in the show notes, so go add that to your queue after you finish this episode. There will be two more episodes each week until Halloween, so make sure you don't miss it. This episode's guest is the multi-talented Fiona, host of two TTRPG podcasts, What Am I Rolling? and the DM's Book Club. Fiona has run several dozen TTRPG systems as part of her podcasts, which gives her a very unique perspective on running games and the role of the GM. She's also interviewed some incredible people from TTRPGs and written for Dragon Plus, the official Wizards of the Coast D&D magazine. Watch out for her to make some big waves in the community in the near future. Enjoy! So yeah, I started, they always start with the, the, that thing saying like, oh, five years ago, I was a nobody and I did nothing. And I've always been someone who was into geeky stuff at university. I you know, loved Doctor Who. I loved uh, the sci-fi society and stuff. And when I moved to London as a shy 20 something year old, I joined a sport, which is called Quidditch, which is exactly like the Harry Potter books, except we don't fly. And because I'm one of those people that does thing, doesn't do things by half, I just was like, right, I go in, resurrect a team, create a new team, play for five years, and really enjoyed it. But as a result of that, I met people who were playing role-playing games. I got introduced to uh, D&D 5th Edition through some friends, and it was a very cool thing, because I guess I'd always been interested in role-playing games, like adjacent, like I always enjoyed drama, always enjoyed watching people play Warhammer and that sort of thing but just never got into it. I think I was always of that age where I was like, I want to do this, oh, but I'll be judged for it because it's not academic, it's not this. And then at university, it was like, oh, strive, 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 and then get out the other end with a degree, and it's like, oh, that's it. But playing 5th edition and realising six months in that I didn't know any of the rules still, I picked up one of the books and I started reading that, and then Kickstarter was a big thing, and it's still a big thing, but it was sort of getting into its prime. It was like, hey, here are all these one shots here are all these RPG systems. So I started funding them and getting like a whole pile of books. And I kind of realized that I had all these RPG systems that I, I wasn't playing. I sort of was reading them and going, this is a cool idea. This is a cool idea. This was a cool idea. And when you're in a big city like London, you know, as an adult as well, it's very hard to make friends, I find. Like, unless it's like work, uh, you know, you go do some socializing with people at work or a hobby that you like or, or anything like that, and then go home and that's it. And it's a, and I know that's adult life, uh, but it was very lonely as a result being in the capital city. So I thought to myself, how can I see my friends more often, possibly make new friends and somehow read all these books that I've acquired and go, this was a really good book, I'll keep this or this one I should pass on to somebody else. And that's where sort of, like, you know, getting into 
running RPGs and, and podcasting as well. Like I started doing stuff uh, like running games at a place called Bad Moon Cafe, which was a wargaming cafe in London Bridge. And just, I was, it'd always be like, hey, I'm running kids on bikes or I'm running Deadlands Reloaded, that sort of thing. Um, and just getting some people here and there just saying hello and just running it and see what it's like. Because I all these different RPG systems were just really interesting to me. Like you have all these different settings, all these different mechanics and stuff. And I just find that really interesting. And it's always interesting when you're running RPGs as well, because it's like, here is an evening's entertainment in a in a book, in a in a box, and you don't have to pay anything for it or anything additional. You could always just make it up on a spot. You don't need all the accessories and you just need to bring snacks and just have a good time and be willing to be like goblins for a few hours, which I always thought that was really interesting. So yeah, I just, I think just from dipping that toe in five or six years ago, then going sort of headfirst in and then realizing that, you know, what a cool way to connect with people. I probably run or play in an RPG pretty much every week of some description. And I love trying them all and just and just reading them and going, that's a cool idea. When can I next play that? Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> You've bought tons of books. I see your bookcase. It's full of books. Uh, yeah, don't look. <laughs> Please don't look. I've not read them. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, my, my partner also sometimes is like, so all those books you bought, are you going to read them before you buy a new one? Yeah, it, it happens to the best of us. So yeah. <laughs> So you, you've mentioned you've kind of been running these one-shots for a while. So mm. can you tell us about your experience running them? You know, how many years you've done, how many different systems, if you have a count? Mm. So there was this quote I had recently in an improv class. We all go around and it, I, it's similar to when you, when you see it in bios for DMs, like I've been a DM for 25 years same in improv that i've been improvising for 10 years and it's just a go-to thing you like introduce yourself i've done this for so many years and someone said i don't like saying how many years i've run games for or done improv for because i believe anyone can run games or, or play improv games and they can be a great at it within five minutes and i thought that's really good but a side note, that person was a terrible improviser, it turned out, in that thing. <laughs> but I liked I liked the idea behind it. And I think that's the thing. Like I like I th- I roughly think five or six years ago, but weirdly I don't see myself as a professional GM, which is insane because I've done you know, I've GM'd for podcasts, I've been on panels, I've I've recently done something which could lead to a lot of paid work. So, you know, it's like all these things are adding up but I just see that as an extension of myself is that I I'm telling a story and some other people are involved and then I'm having a good time I feel very selfish in a way so mm-hmm. I'd say like realistically five or six years at a push but I don't I don't know I just see it as just a this is just a thing that I do that I really enjoy and I had a, you know when you, when you sent me over the questions I did look to see how many I'd done and to date what am I rolling has featured 43 systems over i know shocking and i think i've run at least 40 of them one or two are special guest dms and stuff but yeah Mm -hmm. 43 systems so at this point your head is just full of different plastic polyhedrals and numbers and you know (laughs) oh no i i I vaguely remember one or two at any given time but yeah sometimes i'm like oh god have i played the system i have but it was like a year and a half ago probably wasn't that good (laughs) in the nicest way (laughs) like obviously everything i anything that i feature is something i've really i've really enjoyed running at the time but 
you hear yeah you, i've heard stories of people go i know 200 systems off the top of my head and i'm like you must be really fun at parties then. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, know. <laughs> you know yeah i like that quote that it doesn't matter um i had a guest a few weeks ago b dave walters tell me that ah. one of the dms that he considers to be the worst i don't know who it is he didn't tell me in confidence mm. or anything but good he said they've been running games since like the game was created and oh. they're the worst worst dm he knows so yeah. it's it's true you know no matter what your experience you can be really good at this yeah absolutely and i'm sure we'll go on to like why you should go into dming and all that sort of thing but it is every time i have a what i consider a really bad game like because oh i was off it i didn't remember this one tiny rule that affected this whole scene what I tend to do is usually because it's I've recorded it in some format, whether it's like through Zoom or online, I'll go back and listen to that p- specific bit that I forgot. And it turns out like nobody else noticed. And I like I get away with it. And I'm like that. I was like, that looks really cool in my head. I'm, it's like a like a swan, like, you know, serene, calm on top with the legs going underneath like Wah! constantly. <laughs> that is a great great image yeah. in the head yeah, yeah of what dming is like yeah exactly that because you because obviously your players are like i want to do this and you're like i have not planned for that in any and none of the books <laughs> told me this now what <laughs> so yeah and you just gotta make it up and make it sound good yeah <laughs> exactly so do you remember your first experience running a game absolutely there's a big rule in podcasting which is like you record a couple of episodes and then you don't put them out because they're gonna be rubbish right I didn't know that rule, yeah. No, no, me neither. So uh, my first system I ran was Honey Heist, which is on What Am I Rolling? And you can listen back to it. It's a great system. Obviously, again, I'm sure most people who are into indie RPGs or RPGs in general, if if it's not the big Dungeons & Dragons, you'll have heard of Grant Howitt, who's a phenomenal writer from Rowan, Rook & Descartes. And his first one-shot that sort of got very big due to Critical Role was Honey Heist. And the idea is that you're about to undertake the biggest most elusive heist in the world but the problem is you're all bears and i i made it up the story was that it was the three bears mummy bear daddy bear baby bear so i thought it'd be hilarious to have my partner and my two best friends who are all male to be this family to infiltrate and like it was great and we had a lot of fun with it mostly because they sort of teamed up against me when they're like okay we're gonna do this and i was like so what is the plan? I'm like, we don't need to tell you. And I was like, great. <laughs> Thank you, players. But I was so nervous. I was, again, not not necessarily because of the recording. I think that that was sort of taken care of because it's just like, you know, you know, here it is on the thing. But I was just nervous about performing in front of my players and especially when they're friends as well. Strangers is that sort of thing, which I've realised through doing a lot more role play stuff online. Is that sure you lose maybe that sort of instant connection with players like looking around the table that sort of energy possibly gets sucked out of it because you know we're all online in boxes but i find it so much easier to role play villains and monologue and and do certain things behind a screen because i i have a little bit time to think about stuff and i'm performing per se so i i do prefer doing it online so doing that in person and doing quite a lot of the stuff i think all the way up until the pandemic in person i got better at it but every time i did it i was so nervous because playing villains or playing characters who have emotion in front of people and maybe even be vulnerable at times as these as these minor characters was was very scary and then the other the other sort of first sort of maybe dming experience with D, but way before the podcast i was really inspired by critical roles like um, battle royale 
I loved the idea of like, oh my god, players fighting each other. That's so unique and original. Yeah, no one's done that. No one's done that. I thought I had this cool idea that they could be fighting on like um various different cogs, basically like Mechanus, essentially, and the cogs would move and there'd be lair actions and this, that's, you know, there'd be like treasure they can find and fight against each other. But the big thing is that I didn't tell them it was going to be a battle royale until we started. So, of course, two of them had made, you know, social uh, characters who spent the first couple of rounds going, oh no, help, could anyone, uh, anyone get us out of here? And I was like, oh no, you're supposed to be fighting <laughs> each other. So it didn't, it didn't work as well. Like, the idea was there, we had a good time, but it, I, it, was, it was the start of my long, long hatred with running combat, and that was just four hours of combat. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was your first experience. Quite the undertaking. Okay, this is the question I love asking everybody, and it is, you know, it's kind of the point of the show. What are the worst mistakes you feel like you have made running games? And what lessons can the listeners learn from the mistakes that you've made so they don't have to make them also? Uh, I think the biggest one is not believing in myself as a DM, as a GM. I think one of the reasons I started getting into it and started running other systems was because there's always been this big fear that the players know more than the DM and will tell you they know more by, you know, you introduce something like, here is this monster to go, oh, it's a mimic. Okay, it's AC is this, it's all this, which they will know because the classic monsters are used and that's fine. And there's that sort of fear about it where you think like, they're just going to constantly going to criticize me or they're constantly going to go, no, you got that wrong. No, you got that wrong. And the real reason I started doing other RPGs first rather than D&D was because they didn't know the rules, but I did. So I was like, haha, you fools. Even if I got them wrong, they wouldn't know. <laughs> but n- now that I look back on it, though, and I've run quite a few D&D one shots now, not quite, not as many as I, I would like. And I, I actually recently started doing a longer campaign of D&D. Like, it's the same story over several sessions, up to seven so far. And I realised that it's not easy, but you know, people if people are invested in your story, they're invested in you. And they want you to succeed. So even if it does take you a minute or so to find that rule or go, oh, I'm really sorry, I forgot you in the initiative or anything like that, they're fine. They're, they're willing to, he- to help you out with it. You know, And as long as you've got their back... That's all they care about. I think the other thing that really sort of sparks, like, oh, oh, biggest sort of mistake or worst mistake is, you know, we've had a decent session. Like, everyone's had a good time. But me as the GM not enjoying it because I forgot one little rule and forever as an anxious person going, I've ruined the whole story because this one rule came up, like, all the time and we didn't realise it until right at the end. So, for example, very recently... I ran uh, Jim Henson's Labyrinth for some people from Rooster Teeth, uh, the most podcast. And it turns out I'd misread the main mechanic. There's only one mechanic and I misread it until halfway through and I realised I'd got it wrong. And in my head, I, I was like, oh God, those earlier scenes should not have been as successful as they were. They should have been failures. And I was like, what do I do? And I was just like, doesn't matter. They didn't know. And... It, it doesn't matter, we've got an hour, so let's, let's just keep going with it, keep rolling with it, and just go, oh, I got that wrong, really sorry. And I mentioned it in the podcast, I was going, yeah, I got it wrong, so this is the actual rule, just bear that in mind for the first two scenes that it didn't work like that. So, and I've, I just feel so much better now, just be like, oh, whoops, 
But now I remember. And I, again, that same thing when players correct me, they go, oh, you said this, but actually it says this in the book. And it happens very rarely. And I go, oh, thank you. You actually went and looked that up. I wasn't going to look it up. <laughs> yeah. Thank God you're on my side, you know, and just trusting that, you know, the rules are there to make you have fun, to ha- help you have fun. You, you can bend them. You can rule or cool it, all that sort of thing. But I think the the biggest thing is that, and I think this is to go back to all the listeners, is that combat, you'll never get it right. I, I still get it wrong all the time. And it gets to a point where sometimes I loathe RPG systems that I go, here is the combat se- section and it's so much bigger than the rest of it because there's all these rules and stuff. As long as you know the the basics and you say, hey, to this player, hey, you're in charge of tracking who goes next and have that system in place and have an idea, it doesn't matter what happens in the end. I think that's the thing. I used to worry so much because I was like, this is the most important part of D&D or certain systems. But it really isn't. Not now, in any way. I think you will never get combat right. And it's totally fine. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> and if they do, then you're probably at the wrong table, right? You, you probably aren't my. You aren't at my table. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with with you know trying to find the right table and maybe realizing that you don't fit with the group that you are currently playing with if you kind of are disagreeing constantly on exactly. stuff like this. So I have the same experience where I will screw up constantly. And I've got another person at my table who's run games. And so he's he's usually pretty good at knowing the rule if I don't and vice versa. And we make it work. And if we don't know the rule, we just figure it out. And mm-hmm. it works just mm-hmm. great for us. So Yeah, just take your time with it. Yeah. And now a word from How Not to DM's sponsors. Spawn of Chaos is a dark fantasy Dungeons & Dragons actual play show featuring professional actors, immersive visual effects and sound design, and an original music score. If you like shows like Critical Role or Dimension 20, you'll definitely want to tune in. Each episode is about 90 minutes long, making it easy to start listening. Become part of the growing community by searching Spawn of Chaos on YouTube or visiting their website at chaosawaits.com. And role-playing grenade. If vampires were real and monsters stalked the world's dark corners, who could defend us? Who would want to? At role-playing grenade, four X spies shoot, spy, science, steal, and bomb their way through a vampiric conspiracy in a Knights Black Agents actual play campaign. That's role-playing grenade on Anchor, iTunes, and Spotify. And lastly. Norengard is a brand new D&D 5th edition campaign setting imagined in the Norse-inspired world created by Lou Anders. Is Friday brings the adventure campaign to life in the official playthrough. Check it out before the setting and adventure hits shelves in November. Skull! Now, let's return to our show. Alright. In your experience running all these different one-shots and different systems, is there a specific time where, you know, you had to improv something or, you know, there was a specific role-play moment that sticks out in your mind as your favorite and your player's favorite? There's loads. <laughs> I know. I, it depends. I know. It's one of those things you like, but I'll, I'll pick one. I, there's one I always go to, but I'm going to pick a different one. So last year we played a game called Sleep Away by Jay Dragon, and... The idea behind that is that you play uh, summer camp counsellors at a, a, a camp for kids who don't fit in, 
essentially. And the idea is that you were once kids here yourself, but now you've grown up to be ca camp counsellors. And it's an absolutely beautiful system. If you've heard of Jade Dragon, you've probably heard of their other game, which was Wonder Home, which is a very similar mechanic. Essentially, it is just talking. After a bit of setup and you create the camp and you create these characters and stuff in almost like a fiasco style, like you all have relationships with the person next to you, etc. The system's all about tokens. You have weak moves, uh, normal moves and strong moves and they're each individual to each character. And to make a normal move, there's no cost. To make a strong move, you have to pay a token. To do a weak move, you gain a token. So obviously the idea is that you have to do a whole mixture of these different moves to get it. So the weak moves are, you know, insulting someone because you're afraid, that sort of thing. Or strong move, putting yourself in the line of danger to save others. And with that summer camp, the obviously the, the idea is that all is not what it seems. There's definitely a sense of like, welcome to Night Vale about it, a Twins Peaks sort of vibe about it, where, you know, there there is stuff that's happened at this camp, but what is it? And again, you come through that with character creation and summer camp creation. But the main part of it, which I absolutely loved, is this idea of the Lindworm. This idea of a, you know, those sort of camp stories over the fire where you say there's this creature that comes and, and steals your friends. Uh, and it's ten feet tall, it's got lots of legs, but it wears the, the skin of your friend once they're eaten. And, you know, as a, as a thing. And the camp counsellors are supposed to protect the, the campers against this. And what we discovered is through, uh, through playing and through just no conversation about it before, was that this, we said something happened, somebody went missing 10 years ago or, or whatever it was when we were camp counsellors. And we discovered bit by bit that one of the camp counsellors wasn't real. Like right at the end, we realised that they were the person that disappeared or they were the ghost or something like that. Somebody had left. Essentially, what had happened to that person that they had just never come back to camp and we had felt that loss so greatly that we imagined this person to replace them. And they had come from the lake, which had been sort of magical, and at the end, this person went back into the lake and just said, you don't need us anymore, and that's fine. And then they disappeared underneath the lake. And I just remember at the end of that, when we sort of, you know, and scened, I burst out crying. <laughs> Because I'd played like a, a bully type character or an athletic character who was sort of gruff, etc., but had been my best friend, this person who'd come and sat next to me at lunch and has, and just realising that this person had never been there. I'd always been alone. And that's sort of, like, I'm tearing up now thinking about it because it was so emotional. And everyone around on, on the Zoom were all like, we need two minutes, but that was amazing. <laughs> so I think any any game like that that allows you to be vulnerable and cry. I absolutely love. So yeah, I'd highly recommend Sleep Away. Yeah, that sounds really fun. I love tropey little games like that, like the the camp counselor or whatever. It's just, I don't know, it sounds like a lot of fun for a one shot. So um, I'll have to check that one out. So as far as your influences on your style as a GM or a DM, who are kind of the, the people that you feel like have had the greatest influence on your narrative style? on your improv style and on your style in general while you're running these different systems. Mm. So in terms of like getting me into role-playing games, obviously you have to mention Critical Role because obviously that's the big one. You know, like that was fascinating to be there sort of 20 episodes from the beginning and just realizing, oh, here are eight, nine people who are, are connected to an incredibly scary story because at, at that time there was this whole vampire arc and I was I used to be a massive vampire girl not Twilight but like Dracula I was always into that so it just hooked me the idea that you had this sort of 10 episodes where 
things looked really dire and and i just loved the storytelling and everyone was so emotionally invested in that uh, but also, like, um, we have in the UK something called High Rollers with Mark Sherlock Humes, who runs that. And that was nice to see that, that these, again, UK streamers who were just people like editors, you know, working on, um, you know, a YouTube channel, just getting things together and stuff. And that, and that now has gone off into its own little thing. And so seeing two people, two very different DMs, obviously, you know, doing voices or coming up with an amazing story and actually them showing stuff from behind the scenes as well. Uh, was really cool. I think currently, though, I've been watching sort of lots of the the uh, D and D celebrations games. I really love Amy Vorpal. She is such a, a kooky character. Kooky is not a nice word, but like as soon as I see her, I know I'm in for a good time. I've seen her in various streams as well, where she's played like the Queen of Hearts, and it's just like she just sits down, with a huge smile on her face, and you're like, I'm going to be entertained by this person. She's amazing. And the other person I have to shout out is Kate Welch, um, who's obviously an Acquisitions Incorporated C team, but also recently ran one of the big games at uh, one of the PAXs. I can't remember which one for the first time. So, I, I, you know, a female presenting DM in front of a live crowd, dressed up and just having a whale of a time, and it was just that—that that was the first time I'd ever seen. You know, again, like majority of dms are currently male presenting and that's that's just the way it is but to see her and people cheering and saying thank you so much and you can see at the end she was like thank you so much i was so nervous and we're like yeah i bet <laughs> i bet you were and like but like also her shouting out to like tristan falcone who's obviously another member of their team who also writes for wizards and stuff and helped them with the with the scenario and stuff like that and i was just like that is someone who loves running games, loves their job, loves everything about D&D and it doesn't matter if they go off piste or anything like that. Like I and yeah, I can highly recommend watching Kate Welch. She did some panels at the last D&D celebration a couple of months ago, but she did one with Jack Black. That game, because again, that idea of wrangling celebrity D&D players, she handles it so well and looks great doing it. Like she looks so calm in control and it's one of those DMs that definitely goes, "Yes." And, and and does the imp- whole improv stuff, but does it in such a style where you're like, she's so cool. I just want to be friends with her. So, <laughs> Tell us about your current projects. And you've alluded to What Am I Rolling a few times with the different systems you've run. But yeah, tell us about DM's Book Club, about What Am I Rolling, where the ideas came from, how you got them off the ground, that kind of thing. Mm, so I'll, start, I'll start with What Am I Rolling first, because that's been going a little bit longer. That's, I think... Oh god, I think that's three, four years? It'll be three and a half years, I think. Um, So essentially, in the lead up to uh, the release of that, I was looking at ways, again, the idea of like, I've got too many books, I don't see my friends, I want to start this sort of experience with people, but I also want to get better at it. And boringly at work, I was trying to convince people to um, use more audio. I work in a, a an industry, an educational industry, which a lot of the academics or the people I work with were like, we want video. And I'm like, that's fine, but you sound good, but your face doesn't match it. <laughs> In the nicest way possible, they look scared because they can't remember stuff. And, they're, you know, it's that sort of thing where at least in audio you can get rid of the face and you can you can you can edit so it sounds better. So you don't get the us, ooh, ah, mm, you know, all that sort of thing. So I thought to myself, how can I do this? So I went to a podcast workshop run by Oh, it's a guy called Mark who who runs a podcast that's still going on, and he was saying you should just do. It. The idea was that from this session you learn all the basics, which essentially was like how to edit, 
what podcasting equipment you need if you're out on the road, etc. And she just go home and just start it. And I was on the way back going, well, I need to prove to people that I can do it and I'm serious. And I just thought, I'm sure I could do just one shots of systems. And that'd be great. And I got really excited and I went home and I searched one shot RPG podcasts. And of course that comes up as the one shot podcast <laughs> run by James DeMatter. And I was like, oh, but then I was like, well, no, they do it in a different way to me. That's fine. And that that's the thing. And again, I'm sure you'll have heard this before as well. It's like, there are a billion D&D or RPG podcasts out there, actual uh, play podcasts, but they're not going to be yours. And the idea of like going, hey, we're going to try something different. It's going to be your style on it. As long as you make that impact on it, go ahead and do it. So I just started doing it. I sort of started batch recording all these different one shots and then just went from there. And I'm still doing that to an extent. And thanks to various sort of podcast networks where I just sort of not barge in, but just go, hello, here is my podcast. I'm also quite funny. Put me on your, put me on your show. And they go, okay. And they go, oh, you were quite funny. And I was like, I, I somehow deceived you. But it's, yeah, it's, it's that sort of thing where I've started going more and more into it going, I, I do have a catalogue of work. I, you know, I think I'm a very good DM for what I am. And I can learn systems within, you know, a day or so and just have fun with it and just being that ease with people and just being able to talk about it and be passionate about it that's sort of where where uh, has grown from it in a way and then we went into lockdown <laughs> and then suddenly all my social activities stopped for like two weeks and I whilst I consider myself sometimes an introvert I definitely have been an extrovert in the last couple of years I you know started doing improv I was the sort of person that went to the theatre by myself always had something on most nights just to enjoy because I live in London currently so it's just you know enjoying what we have lots of going on in London all the time yeah all the time you know it is it is that sort of you know you, you you're here until you don't want to be here anymore and then you leave and I just wanted to make the most use of this time but then when everything stopped I was like what I'm gonna do because I was just restless you know and it was, it was that sort of time of uncertainty and not knowing what things were going on and obviously like oh we're we're only gonna be locked down here in the UK for a month or so which is, yeah, yeah, is that sort of thing where it got to the point you're doom scrolling BBC News and there's the constant briefings and it just got to the point where it's like, this is no fun. And what happened was I stopped reading. I used to be a really prolific fiction reader and used to go through books, used to obviously commute and read them and then nothing. So what I started doing, I realised I had all my D&D official books that, you know, I bought because obviously I'm like, well, I love D&D. But I realised that for me some of it was was non-fiction. So I started making notes. I used to just literally get had to get a break from the computer. I used to go get a book, get a chapter and just make some notes. But never in the book, right? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> that, makes no co- that makes no sense out of context, um, no. as I'll come to. But I, I started talking to my friend Ryan, who is my DM for the, the main sort of D&D campaign we've been a part of. And he'd been talking about, because he, he's doing lots of YouTube stuff, obviously I do podcast stuff, and we wanted to do more of a collaboration project together, because we're both creatives. And so I suggested, why don't we just do a interview slash talking show, essentially, about the books. Because we got, between us, we cover quite a few bases. So we just started doing that. And it was just a nice way to check in most weeks and go, hey, I read this really interesting thing. That's really cool. I read this really interesting thing. And in terms of editing for where, which was a bit more in depth, because obviously you want to make it sort of more narrative and, you you know, it's actual play stuff. 
Uh, DM's book club was just very easy. It was like, oh, that bit was a bit boring. Cut that out. Top and tail it. Put a bit of music. Done. And it was just a nice, easy, easy not, I don't want to say mindless project, but you know, simple enough to do. And it was nice to be able to focus on something like that more regularly and not worry about, oh, but it doesn't make sense narratively or it doesn't doesn't grip the reader or stuff. Because it's, it's just us talking about a topic. And if, so if you don't like the topic, that's totally fine. The next episode, there might be a topic you are interested in. So, yeah. So I, I had this idea in my head for a while about like, oh, well, I, I really need to know D&D more because that is unfortunately the main system right now. But I didn't know how I'd go about it. And then when lockdown happened, I was like, of course, the internet. <laughs> that's how I do it. <laughs> And yeah, and it's just gone from there, really. And obviously we've gone from strength to strength. Season three, obviously, is now out. With, like Again, through pandemic and, and being collaborative and stuff, obviously now streaming it on, on a Twitch channel with a, with a new co-host, looking at different stuff, getting sponsors and new books. It's just gone up and up and up. And we've only been going just over a year with DM's Book Club, which is insane to me, thinking that out loud. Yeah. And it has been really interesting from a, a DM's perspective as well. I've loved listening to it because, like you said, it may be stuff I'm interested in or not, but every once in a while I'll listen to an episode of something I haven't thought about and then say, well, that's really cool. I should throw that in my game at some point. So I don't remember which one it was, but you mentioned something about the plane of Limbo. It was probably the one about all of the different planes. And I thought, Limbo, that is a perfect place to say this thing is from that I have been terrorizing my players with for months but i haven't decided its origin yet you know so it's there's there's uh always new ideas to come from (laughs) listening to other people talk about the lore and stuff so i i have really enjoyed it yeah oh thank you and yeah limbo is always a great place if in doubt limbo (laughs) okay so what have been some of the challenges of running so many different systems you mentioned 40 that you've run yourself yep (laughs) You know, so talk us through the issues about running different games and then what about scheduling, editing, that kind of thing, just general podcast mm-hmm. uh, things that people should know if they're trying to get into it. First of all, if you're a better person than me, probably get an idea of what systems are popular. <laughs> I, I love, uh, for me, I've always been that sort of person who is like, this system interests me because it has this unique thing. I'm going to run that. But it might not get what I think is it deserves in terms of downloads and stuff like that. But that's by the by. I think a clever person would probably go, hey, we'll do polls and stuff like that. And you see the trends and stuff, which I'm you know, getting there. But I think the biggest challenge for me is that, you know, there'll be a really interesting system that I really want to do. And I'm like, this is great. But there's not a quick start. Like I, I am a person that was more than happy to pay for quick start guides. Like I know they usually have them for free because obviously like, oh, we want people to buy the full book. I would be more than happy to be like, pay what you want, $5, five pounds, whatever, because I, you know, I gain so much out of that quick start. So there's that, I think there's not enough value in quick starts and making them pay what you want or setting a donation price for them. Like I said, I think there is value in that. I think a lot of people are like, well, we want you to buy the full book. But I think more people would like, I want to test this out rather than paying the full thing and just, just asking for $5 of your time for 20 pages is, is worth it. But again, I say that as not a writer and not a game designer, so I don't know how that works. In terms of scheduling, it's got a lot easier, actually, pandemic-wise, because obviously I discovered there's the internet and there's always somebody who would love to play a game remotely and you can always schedule it so it is you know it is evening their time or morning my time and I, I'm very flexible in that sort of sense if it's if I know 
I've only got somebody for two hours and I know I'll have their attention for two hours and I make it work like that. I think with editing, I've always been quite harsh on myself because I definitely, uh, the technical term is word vomit. You can see now, like obviously when I'm very passionate about something, I will over describe in detail. I'll be like, oh, this, that and the other. And then I'll make like a cultural reference because it's like this house from this film. And people go, no, oh. and I could just have not said that last thing. So I try and take out all of that. And so that's majority of my editing is editing myself down. And then but it's true. As a, I just feel sometimes I over explain as a DM, whereas really you need to leave the pauses and stuff. The only times I've had real issues with editing is when players don't wear headphones because they don't have headphones or, or they don't or, or they're moving around too much or they're eating and all that sort of thing, which happens. I can cut some certain things down. But at the same time, I need to leave the pauses there. I need to leave the emotion there because that's what was there and it makes a more interesting story. And so I've got a lot better at it just by just listening to myself. But I'm also very privileged to have a very flexible job. <laughs> I can work from home and I can work on editing stuff at work, you know, in balance with other things. Because, you know, people do, people do see the value of audio work and showing that, hey, I've made this from this, you know. So I am very lucky to have that. I'm not... not I know not all podcasters who do this and they have to do it, you cram it into spare hours and stuff. And I used to edit before work as well. And, and, and we've been there at the midnight hour finishing off an episode or two. So every week. <laughs> yep. Yep. You know the feeling. Derek. I do. You know the feeling. I do. You've, you've run a lot of different games at this point. What have been some of your favorites and why? Favorite ones. So I've already spoken about uh, sleep away. That was a really good one. Ones that I've really enjoyed um, solo wise. I've done like a couple of solo ones. So I enjoyed one called Quill, which is essentially like a letter writing game. You come up with a character, you get a scenario and you write, you know, how you feel. And the idea is that you, there are certain words from an ink pot and some of them are like deluxe words. You're like, oh, I, I would like to use that. But you have to roll to use them. Usually, depending on your stats, you roll very poorly. And then at the end, you have to make a, like a penmanship test and see like how well you wrote it. And again, it gets to a point where you add up all these points and then you compare it to the scenario's sort of score. And it's like, hmm, this person does not respond to you or responds to you saying, please do not contact me again. That sort of thing. And it's just the idea of you making this sort of scene in your head and just writing a one-way letter was just really interesting and actually just really fun, like just playing these silly characters in, in a head. And there was nothing too serious when I was running that one followed by the solo RPG that I always talk about is Thousand Year Old Vampire by Tim Hutchings. It was pretty much everywhere last year. So yeah, I played it for Dragon Meat uh, sort of online. And the idea is that you are creating the diary of this thousand year old vampire and playing that online for like 10 people who are watching on Twitch. It was very fun because it was just that idea of again, verbalizing out loud and going, what can I do? And then rolling some dice and going, oh, well, that person's now dead. How do I justify this? And speaking my thoughts aloud was just, it was just really fun. And the book is gorgeous as well. If you ever get a physical copy of it, it is a work of art for sure. And I guess finally, the, the one that I have enjoyed the most recently that I've run is uh, Jim Henson's The Labyrinth, a uh, adventure game by River Horse Games. Again, a very simple, it's like choose your own adventure, but you just roll a d6 and that's where you move to in the next part of the the labyrinth essentially and you can move back and all these sort of things but the book itself gorgeous piece of art essentially and what i like about that is that there's over a hundred scenarios or scenes you can do but each one of them is evocative and has like little things in it where it's like here is an npc that can appear and you're like 
that's perfect. A one line thing of like, this is a, a woman who is looking for a broom that the uh, the goblin master has taken or the goblin king has taken, and you're like, yep, done. That that's that's now this NPC that's currently in the scene, you know. So I yeah, I highly recommend that because that's just really interesting and everyone loves Jim Henson. I think like it's that high fantasy but also a bit of silly like Monty Python esque and Terry Pratchett as well, all fit into one. You've run so many different kinds of games and. I feel like that makes you uniquely qualified to answer this. What are your parting words of wisdom and encouragement for new and aspiring people who want to run games and to get into this hobby of TTRPGs? All right. Well, the, the big one is do it. Uh, it's always that's I'm sure that's that's a given at this point. Do it. Uh, second of all, don't panic. We're all there. We've all been there. And I, I always say that like, if your players aren't sympathetic to you, you should say, okay, well, you run next time. And they'll realise how much prep and time goes into it. But I think my two big rules are if you can't find what you need in terms of a ruling, a stat, uh, a modifier within 30 seconds in a book or online, and obviously it is easier if it's online because you can just you know control F, etc. Just make a judgment call and move on. Because there's nothing worse when we've we've all been in those D and C sessions where someone goes, oh, I'm not sure. Let me get the books, and you're just there going, Ugh. and it's usually the grappling rules or how much a health potion is, etc. <laughs> and you're like, oh, you know, it's it's funny, but it can waste like five minutes of time. And certainly when you're online, people are checking their phones. They've probably got a YouTube video up and stuff like that. I'm just like, make a thirty second call about it just to check, and then check it later and go, oh, I was wrong. Oh, I was right. It doesn't matter. And if, it, if it's something that comes up regularly, just make a post-it note on it. But I, I find that life's too short to be looking for a rule that ultimately doesn't matter. And my other big bit of advice, which I do think everyone should take up on, not just new DMs, is reading or playing in different RPG systems. Because I am of the firm belief that makes you a better player and a better GM. In terms of playing, because obviously you'd be like, oh, well, in this system, it uses the environment more. So in this combat scene, can I use the environment? Can I do something else that's not necessarily hack and slash? And as a DM, you might be like, this is a really cool mechanic. How can I put this into my game? Or that's a cool scenario. How can I put that into my game? You become kinder as a, as a DM and a, as a player by reading these things, because you get so many more ideas for stuff. And it just feels like if you're limiting yourself to one system, which you know very well, and there's no problem with that, but I think if you look at other systems, be like, oh, these are really cool, and just appreciate that there's not just one way of thinking about things, which I think sometimes people lose. There's definitely that, currently, I think, in, let's say, D&D, there is that sort of thing, well, this is the be-all and end-all, and we all have things that are, well, here is something uh, that's from a horror system or something from a, a sci-fi system, but we've put it into D&D. And it's like, that's really cool. But have you considered playing that system or creating your own system and because there are different mechanics and different ways of of doing that and I think you learn a lot more about yourself and about game design by trying these things so yeah you can't find it in 30 seconds make a judgment call and move on try reading or playing in other RPG systems it makes you a better player and a better GM and you have found tons of them out there for free or for cheap so it's not like there's a shortage of them there's definitely no. a ton out there to try yeah yeah and i'll yeah i have found the, the weirder the name is doesn't mean it's a, a, a decent system but you were definitely going to try it there's definitely like there's a there's one called come dice with me which is a come dine with me which is a uk uh, show about <laughs> celebrity dining that like you go around to people's house but with dice 
I mean, I've not played it. Sounds amazing. You know, gonna try it. Why not? And people people love gimmicks and stuff like that. So just testing it out. And if it didn't work, you can all go, God, can you believe we played the game about Come Dine With Me, but using dice? You know. Yeah, who knows? Might make some good memories, even though it wasn't that fun. Who knows? Exactly. All right. So where can people find your work and when can they find your work specifically with your streams and that kind of thing? You mentioned it already, but just to reiterate. No worries. So obviously I run What Am I Rolling, which is a twice monthly RPG one shot podcast. Uh, You can find it wherever you find podcasts. uh, But there is a website that is www.wairpodcast.com. And uh, we're also on Twitter at W-A-I-R underscore podcast. And we're on Instagram at the same handle. There's also DM's Book Club. Oh, shock. That is just, uh, that's just on Podbean, but you can also find that wherever you listen to podcasts as well. There's no official website for that. And we're on uh, at Twitter at the DM's Book Club, all one word. And yeah, just come and chat to us there. We're always a good fun. And yes, as I've sort of alluded to, season three is now starting on Dragon's Jewel Twitch, uh, which is www.twitch.tv forward slash dragons underscore jewel where we'll be most thursdays i'm pretty i confidently saying every thursday at 9 p.m bst slash gmt for most of uh the main episodes but guest episodes will only be exclusively on the podcast so do you know check us out on twitch first but then all episodes will be on the podcast in some form and yeah i was just about to ask that yeah i'm assuming you and hamilton are recording and then you post it later too on a podcast so yeah perfect yeah otherwise people are going to miss out that's not yeah well thank you so much for joining me fiona it's been an absolute pleasure i have really enjoyed the dms book club i've enjoyed the one shots i've listened to haven't gotten through all of them yet but i will i feel like your advice is very applicable to all sorts of different types of people out there looking to run games brilliant thank you so much Thanks for listening to How Not to DM. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to share it with your friends and family around your game table and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or Good Pods. A catchy tune for the Two's Cast promo is from Roll Music. Check out the episode notes for links to more of his work. The ad music is from Arcane Anthem's free online library of TTRPG music. The intro and outro music is by my good friend Torin, aka Mr. Tape. Go check out his stuff on Spotify or Apple Music. And, as always, until next time, roll some Nat 20s for me.